It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today is Sunday, November 1st, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 380, featuring Barstool Celtics blogger and NBA blogger Dan Greenberg, is powered by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today for your free sign-up bonus. All right, everyone, welcome into another new edition of Celtics Beat. Hard to believe it's November and that we don't have real basketball to talk about. But then again, this is a very unusual year when uh, normally we're not talking about real basketball, let alone the NBA finals happening in August. So, you know, let's all just kind of adjust on the fly, not to mention try and figure out when the hell this next season is going to start. Whole lot of debate. Maybe it's next month. Maybe it's the month after. We will find out. Adam Kaufman with you, along with, of course, Evan Valenti, who you've come to know very well by now. And we bring in, for the first time on this show, at least when I have been hosting, Dan Greenberg. You know him as, uh, you know, Barstool Greeny. The man has obviously been around the block once upon a time, a bit of an unknown. He's burst onto the scene. You can always find his videos, his blogs, his course language on social media. Make sure you give him a follow. Dan, what's going on? on buddy how's it going guys thriving (laughs) yeah yeah if for those uh watching not listening i'm sure most people listening but if you are viewing us chatting here you can see that evan is still in the halloween spirit which is great to see by the way look uh this costume usually costs quite a bit so i'm gonna get the most out of it as much as humanly possible so you know i thought tell the people again those listening yeah, Richie Tenenbaum is the inspiration this year because I had the COVID hair and I haven't got a haircut since February, so I figured I would incorporate it into the costume. So I had three finalists. We had Richie Tenenbaum, we had uh, Bradley Cooper from The Hangover. I think his name sure. is Phil, right? And then the last, the last one, which had been really easy to do, was John Wick. I thought Wick would have been a really solid one with the hair I got going on and the beard at the same time. I think we could have figured out that one, but I thought. Tenenbaum was more obscure, and that tends to skew my direction. So, And as opposed to, like, leading men like Bradley Cooper and Keanu Reeves. You just yeah, right, exactly. I, I went Luke Wilson in a Wes Anderson movie, which is yeah. definitely right up everybody's alley, for He's sure. More on part. Self, that's self-awareness, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Did you do anything for Halloween there, Greeny? No, I just hung out with my two monsters, my two dogs, had some candy, pretty mellow in my old age of 33 so yeah that's okay that's that's you know we appreciate you know anyone out there that's keeping this safe and socially distant and self-aware unlike all the people that are putting instagram stories out out of parties playing beer pong really appreciate all those people and and setting us back you know 
years at a time, probably. But uh, let's let's dive more into you real quick, because I, I think again you're a well-known commodity for uh, among those who follow the Celtics, obviously, and and your videos in particular, probably a place that really I'm guessing grew your social media audience, and obviously people have followed on from there. But how would you, as someone who I don't know if I'm even using the word loosely here, but covers the Celtics because you're not like a reporter or a journalist. You're more right. of a social media personality. How would you describe yourself um, with regard I to your think, coverage, not you as a person specifically? Well, <laughs> they're one and the same because really the Celtics are pretty much all I care about in the world. Um, so I would describe myself as like, you know, uh, the voice of an everyday fan that just has uh, access to a fairly large website and can then, and just sort of, you know, I'm passionate. I sort of try to just tell how I feel in that moment. I don't have any sources or anything, connections. I just see it like any other fan and, you know, just kind of lose my mind at times. But like I said, they're the only thing I really care about outside my family and my dogs. So it kind of just, it works. All right. So has, as the voice of, of an everyday fan, what do you care most about right now? Like what, what is stressing you out with regard to the Celtics as we wait for the next season to begin? Well, if just today, I don't know if you realized, but today was the one year anniversary of Jason Tatum's game winner over the Knicks. So uh, seeing all those highlights, you know, I put the video out myself. It's, you know, I twisted the knife myself, given, you know, the, the wounds that are still pretty fresh for how the season ended. But I think I'm like everybody else. I'm just itching for them to start. I want to see what, you know, moves we hear about that they never end up making in free agency. I want to see what they do with the draft and if Ainge finally, you know, trades some picks. But, you know, I'm not as doom and gloom as I think as a lot of people are, given how the season ended. But, you know, I tend to be overly optimistic at times to my own fault. With regard, by the way, to the whole when is the season going to start, just for anyone that has missed this along the way, Adrian Wojnarowski, Sham Sharani, they're both sending out tweets left and right. These are the news breakers that we tend to talk about. And Woj putting out, uh, this is two days ago, ESPN sources for the fourth time, fourth time, NBA and the uh, Players Association agree to extend the deadline to serve notice on terminating the current collective bargaining agreement. The extension goes to November 6th now, which allows additional time for talks on CBA modifications to sessions ongoing this weekend so you know that just in the last couple of days here and then uh, still a gulf between the NBA and the PA on a start date for the season NBA wants pre-Christmas the PA still preferring mid-January maybe right around Martin Luther King Day which has been widely reported economic issues remain significant including escrow withholding on player salaries with revenue down because of no fans so Again, we're not guys that are, you know, we have inside information with regard to reporting, like when ultimately this is going to happen. When they came out with the date, though, Dan, of January 18th, Martin Luther King Day, that made a lot of sense to me. Like December 1st, back when that was out there, when when Adam Silver, commissioner of the NBA, put that out there, I never believed that for a second. Even when they said Christmas Day, let's start Christmas, that seemed early to me. And then you get into mid to late January, that started to make some sense. Just in regard to, I know not every team went into the bubble, clearly, but those who did and those who went deep into the playoffs, like the teams that, you know, just wrapped up the finals not long ago, the Lakers and Heat, you got to give them some type of an offseason, some type of a gap. And I know they want to get underway and they want to have as full a season as possible. And there are reports out there of a 72-game season and all of that still is up for debate. And, you know, can we get done in time for guys to participate in the Olympics? Is there going to be a midseason tournament? Do we put out the first half schedule and then 
feel everything out in a second half schedule. We're going to go in the bubble. We're going to be in home arenas. When are fans going to be allowed in? There are so many things that nobody has the answers to. I don't, and I, I have felt this way for a while. I continue to feel this way. December to me just seems very unrealistic. I think we're looking at January 1 best case scenario, but how do you view this with regard to when this thing is going to tip off? Yeah, it's it's really interesting because if you remember dating back to when the bubble was going on and they asked Adam Silver about, you know, a pre-January deadline, he was very quick to sort of shut that down. Then I don't know what happened. Maybe it was the final revenue numbers came in or the TV partners were putting pressure on him. Now all of a sudden you heard about this pre-Christmas date, which then uh, Mark Stein a few weeks later said training camps would open on December 1st. Well, the draft is November 18th, so you have like 12 days to do the draft, free agency, trades, all that stuff before training camp, and it would only give the teams in the finals 50 days of an offseason, which I just can't wrap my head around. So I'm of the opinion that we'll probably be closer to, you know, middle of January, but the problem is, and why extending the CBA is so important is because if the NBA is going to push back and say, okay, we'll start that late, but you're only getting 50 games, and the players want 72 games, they could just rip up the CBA, and now we have a lockout. So it's like I don't think there's really enough talk about, you know, they do need to, A, rectify this, you know, issue with the current CBA and get that ironed out. Because if not, what's to stop them from just, you know, having another lockout, and now we don't have games – you know, who knows when, because the season schedule is going to be all messed up. So I'm hoping it's January. I think, you know, maybe there was a little negotiating in the media with all these leaks coming out of a, you know, December start. Um, but you just, you have to be, you know, the biggest stars in the league play deep into, you know, this fall. So are you really going to start a season? And then maybe LeBron or Jimmy Butler or other people like that are just going to take the first month off. That's going to kill, you know, the ratings and the interest around the league. So it's a fascinating situation, but I do not think we're going to have basketball in, you know, five weeks or anything. No, I agree with that. I, I think, you know, Adam Silver's done a nice job of, of trying to appease all the, the people involved with this. I mean, you have TV rights and, and stadium deals and all that. There's so many people involved. There's so much money flying around that I think Adam Silver understands that okay, we have, to, we have to find a ways to compromise. We saw how baseball handled uh, their scheduling issues over the summer, and they got ripped apart every single day in the media for not having a plan at all when, you know, you had ba- a basketball and hockey, you know, shutting down midseason, trying to figure out what to do on the fly. Have those two leagues accomplished what they were able to accomplish? Meanwhile, Major League Baseball had no idea. Uh, it kept going further and further and further in terms of games being canceled and, that date, the start date of the year got moved a billion times and everybody couldn't believe that there was no plan there. So I think, I think the one thing that we'll say to Silver's credit is there's at least going to be a plan. And I, and I think, you know, ripping that, that date up and moving it back to November 6th wouldn't shock me if it's moved back again. But at the end of the day, I do think they'll find a way to compromise between the before Christmas and Martin Luther King day. I think they'll find some sort of medium in between the two. I don't think we'll play basketball in 2020 again. I think we'll wait till 2021. Um, I think, that as you know, Dan pointed out, like you can't have these teams have the drafts, free agency trades in two weeks, and expect them to get the ball out there to start training camp in, in, in two weeks. It's just not that's not a, a timetable that's going to work for anybody. So the more time you give some of these players to acclimate and get them settled, and then you know they can have a like a legitimate training camp, and maybe they can you know have a couple of scrimmages before the season starts, and then 
you know, start playing games, you know, maybe the first or second week in January, then, then we might have something that seems a little more concrete. I think, you know, the pre-Christmas thing, I think a lot of people are like, oh, we have to have the NBA on Christmas. That's the day, right? I think that's as, as much as people want it to happen, I don't think you're going to see basketball on Christmas this year, and that's going to be the best, I think, for everybody. I mean, well, I, talk I, about, I know what, dri- what drives all of this. It's the same thing that yeah. – that you know drove the bubble it's money you know, not, it's it's revenue it's making money it's it's wanting yep. to you know get as much as you can from your various media partners and that's the incentive behind having nba basketball on christmas it's it's a huge revenue generator obviously and you know not to cut you off evan i apologize no but that's, that's a fair it, point that's that's what it comes down to and look i, I mean i don't i might have said nba finals in august earlier starting off the show i you know i don't know what's up what's down at this point but just talking through this whole day oh march so it's okay yeah, I mean, look seriously it's <laughs> three weeks like three weeks ago we had nba basketball at this point and now we're talking about starting in a in a matter of a, a month and a half i mean re- right. no i mean i am all three of us are gigantic nba fans so I will only speak for me, but you guys weigh in. I'm not ready. <laughs> like I know oh, I'm ready. Oh, I'm, I'm ready. No, I'm yeah. ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Like no, it's ready. Dip it off tomorrow. Let's get a look at the Celtics. Like let's we're yeah. ready. I'm not ready. Maybe it's just because like September was in October too. The start of this month with we're, we're or last month I guess at this point it's November first. But like we're just so insane with regard to the influx and return of sports. And you know we'll never have a period of time theoretically like that again. Obviously all brought down by the pandemic and not having anything for a period of like four months. To now we're okay. It's like baseball's done. The World Series is complete. It's really all due respect to like PGA and UFC. It's it's really just NFL right now and will be for the next little while like i'm i'm good waiting for new year's for the nba i don't need it tomorrow you know what i mean but i don't maybe maybe it's just me yeah i mean i don't know i I watched the patriots today and i'm just looking at my calendar being like when did the Celts tip off like what's going on here that's fair we're used to them being better yeah but i just think it's it's a situation where you know, you have to think about the teams that didn't make the bubble and haven't played in, you know, eight months already. Right. Is it really fair to them to, like, I guess as long as you could open up some sort of practice and training camp, I don't see the difference of just, like, letting them get scrimmages in and, and get familiar with it. But, you know, I just think when the high-profile teams in this league – you know, barring the Clippers who sort of choked, but like, you know, you have all these high name, you know, big power teams make deep runs in the playoffs. If you want a good product, it was already pretty apparent last year that nobody really cared about the load management rules and everyone will just come up with some sort of designation. You know, how is the league going to force a team that made a deep run to play their main guys in the first month of a season when they've only had, you know, uh, you know, a month and a half break. I just, I just think Adam Silver is a realist and he'll say, what good is it if, you know, no one's going to watch a Chicago, you know, Pelicans game in October, but, you know, everyone would watch a Laker game. And then if LeBron's not playing or Anthony Davis isn't playing, you know, that's not going to help the turn, you know, in terms of the ratings and the revenue and all that. So I just, I can't see him pulling the trigger. Maybe they have some sort of like early preseason scrimmages for the teams that didn't make the bubble or something. I just, I think he'll come up with another solution to address those guys, but not rush back into it when 
you know, it's too early. Yeah, I don't know what the right move is because to your point about that, there have been reports out there, and I don't remember who had them, but uh, if they really start this in December and guys like LeBron and other high-profile guys that went deep into the playoffs and that say, have fun, we're not going to play the first month of the year because we are not physically ready to come back for that and and play at our best like never mind playing every once in a while and load management yada yada like we're straight up not playing the first month plus of the year silver can't allow that there's no there's no universe in which you can start with those guys just outwardly saying we're not gonna go yet they they couldn't they wouldn't you know start off that way but then you do have all these other guys these teams like you said that weren't even in the bubble that you know there were the reports initially that they were going to do kind of that second bubble just to allow those guys to go and stay in shape and all that's and that never really materialized and you know, I'm still not sure that guys aren't going to wind up back in a bubble environment again. You know, I, I think one of the things, and this, none of us are doctors or scientists, or, and we're not going to pretend to be either. But I think one of the great unknowns, obviously, is the potential for this second wave. And we're still very much in the first wave of this thing, the coronavirus and the pandemic. And numbers are, you know, shooting back up again, depending on where you are in the country. Certainly in, in New England and Massachusetts, they're a hell of a lot higher than they were a few weeks ago. And, and around the country, country for that matter as well even though it seems like in places like florida you can do whatever the hell you want you can have full stadiums so it's not everyone is on the same page but if this second wave ends up happening or there's just that confusion between is it the coronavirus is it the flu is it is it just regular cold symptoms of the winter nobody has a clue what it is they're experiencing i'm not sure these teams can even enter a situation where they're ready to begin the season in their respective stadiums anyway certainly not with fans there but I mean it was a disaster there for baseball for a little while and they figured it out eventually and then got into a bubble and everything was fine until Justin Turner decided to be yeah and then you know you had uh like NFL kind of a the entire Raiders offensive line was on the COVID list you know that's the thing like NFL is kind of a, a cluster fudge right now. Like that's, that that's by no means ironed itself out. So I just, I don't see how Adam Silver can look at this. And I think he's done a phenomenal job. We'd all agree on that with, you know, where they were to where they are now and, and just sort of shepherding in this whole thing. But I, I don't see how they can be comfortable preparing to start a season in the next month and a half. Right. And that's the thing, right? We're talking about a start date, but we don't even know where the games would even be played. You know, I think I, at least personally, I was very impressed with how flawless the bubble, you know, was able to be pulled off, right? You had a couple guys cross the line for like some takeout and stuff like that. But, you know, the reason, right. The reason it was so successful is because, you know, they were able to get everybody to buy in in this little ecosystem. I don't think they're going to start next season in Walt Disney World. So, you know, how are you going to then convert an entire league? We, I feel like we would have been hearing about the plans already if they were going to have everything ready to go the first week of December in a bubble site location. So the fact that we don't even know for sure if it's going to be like in the major leagues where you're going to be able to go from stadium to stadium, but then, you know, you're just trusting, I guess, like what baseball did is that you don't have an outbreak, but I can't see a situation where you have teams playing different number of games. So until they even figure out where they're playing, I don't even think we can really understand what the timeline is for the games to actually start. 
you know, I can't imagine guys are going to sign up for another season-long bubble uh, after doing it, you know, 50 days ago. Let's talk a little yeah. Gordon Hayward while we've got well, – Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I, before we move on here, are we totally discount, like discounting the idea of a, like a season starts in a bubble where it's, you know, maybe two locations instead of one, you split in different conferences, where you have maybe a month to give some people some more time to maybe figure out logistically how to figure this out. Like, I wouldn't totally discount – I would discount an entire season-long bubble. That, there's no way – Anybody could do that. I think that's asking too much. But could we start the season in a month or six weeks in a bubble? Just throwing that out there. Because I, I wouldn't be shocked if you're like, well, it works. Because, again, how many people – How we've all talked about, oh, the bubble was a huge success. The the basketball was the purest sense of basketball we've had in a long time. You know, you didn't have these travel days where guys were exhausted because they're all staying in one place. I just – there's there are other benefits of, of the bubble – um, that I think that maybe Silver would explore as like a starter to the season and then expanding out from there to maybe everybody's home arenas again. I don't know. Because I know, I, I mean, you know, every state's different in terms of allowing fans inside the arenas. I know Massachusetts right. probably won't let anybody in an arena until we have this thing figured out. Mm-mm. Florida, as we talked about, completely different, right? So I, I wouldn't be shocked if it gives them a buffer zone to figure out how to handle these stadiums all around the country to, to figure out, okay, maybe we can buy some time until February, and then maybe we can start allowing a few people into all this day. Because I know, again, like having fans is a big part of the game, and I know NBA is committed to maybe finding a way to, to get fans into the stadium, but they have to be able to do it safely, and I'm not sure if we're quite there yet. I mean, just my opinion with no yeah. inside information on this whatsoever, I would say that I think they'd explore it just in the sense of doing due diligence and being – you know, having everything on the table and being aware of what all the options are. I think it is a last case scenario, like absolute worst case scenario to start in the bubble and then obviously continue the season outside the bubble. I think you'd have to deal with what's the schedule going to look like. It's specific to a bubble. Do we only have a a bubble schedule? And then we reassess a schedule after that, after some sort of a complicated, no doubt tournament, because, you know, you got to remember, like, even though it went really well, obviously health and safety protocol wise, it went exceptionally well, couldn't have gone better. I mean, there were zero positive cases of the virus, but it, you know, players didn't like it. You know, they didn't (laughs) want to be there. They like, they, missed their families they missed home I'm sure they liked not traveling that part was probably pretty convenient but you know just life inside the bubble outside of bonding and all of that was you know I think it was kind of a nuisance to them and obviously everything else going on in the world with regard to Black Lives Matter and and you know so many other things that we haven't touched on as it concerns that where some of these players may not even want to come back and play just yet while everything is still such a mess in the world but that's a whole other conversation I just don't think the bubble is is on the table right now in in the sense of like there's I think there's column A what do we want to do and and what's feasible and what's realistic and then there's column B like where could we land if we absolutely have to and that's where the bubble is but that's what I think okay. I don't know about you Dan yeah I just think I mean if there are going to be multiple bubble locations people teams have to start reporting in like a hand you know the next few weeks right, to get that right. all sorted out I. I think they're just going to – I'm with you, Adam. I think that's uh, sort of break glass in case of emergency. Let's try to at least get it to where people can play in their home arenas without fans. And if, you know, there's a certain state that doesn't allow it, what's the alternative? 
um, to that. But like I said, I'm just happy I'm not the one that has to come up with the plan because it's complicated. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, numbers aren't great right now. I think numbers would have to be bad, like really bad to you know to want to do that. But, you know, to your point, I, th- I think everything is, is out there. Uh, as far as Gordon Hayward, because I want to get into some actual stuff pertaining to the team so and I don't I didn't look on your Twitter to see if you did this Dan maybe you did because it's it's like an aggregator's dream to to, these are my favorite types of off-season reports right here Um, and I don't remember who had this one but I'm just going to read some of these quotes it originated though from Bobby Marks who as we know front office insider for ESPN Zach Lowe one of his colleagues they were on the Lowe podcast and uh, what Marks said was I think what Gordon Hayward's agent is doing right now is canvassing the league. Uh, He's doing the Al Horford plan. Low adds, uh, we don't know that there's a Gordon Hayward chase. Uh, We don't know that any of this is happening. I'm just saying there's a little bit of buzz. Something is mildly afoot here. And so you have all those headlines of, you know, report. Gordon Hayward (laughs) is, is thinking of the Al Horford approach. You know, it may as well say report. There's no new news. <laughs> Hayward is just keeping his options open as to whether to return to the Celtics and opt in or go get a better deal elsewhere like Al Horford did if that's on the table. Or, of course, he could just opt out, return, you know, lower AAV, longer term, lock up some money. Doesn't matter how he plays this year because he'll be set bank for the next few years. And what everyone seems to think you – you know, can do is ah, just trade Gordon Hayward, which is not an option whatsoever until at least he opts in. And, you know, then at that point in time, sure, you could ship him out if you want to, but you can't just say, you know, Gordon, we're just, uh, we're going to get rid of you. Cool. I'm just going to leave then. Like you can yeah. just send me somewhere. So the, the whole Gordon Hayward dynamic of this off season and something we're going to really, you know, explore here within this show is really, it's, I'm not going to call it fascinating, but it's interesting. It's really interesting because it's the biggest sort of off-season wild card to what next year looks like for them with regard to roster construction. So, you know, just what are your thoughts on on the whole situation? How do you think it plays out? What do you think should be Danny Ainge's goal here? Yeah, I mean, I think actually I know. I spend way too much of my day trying to convince people that Gordon Hayward is actually good at basketball and should yeah. actually be on this team and actually makes them better. Um, the stuff with Zach Lowe just makes me so mad because, you know, he's like, oh, there's nothing going on, but there may be. And it's just like, it's one thing if there's just a random blogger like me says it, where like, he's connect- he's like a somebody. So really, there's no information, but he's trying to make it. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I just look at it like this. There's really only two scenarios in where you have to trade Gordon Hayward. The first is if he goes up to age and he says, you know what? Like, I just need a fresh start. I'm going to opt out. I don't want to come back. You know, at least get something for me. Okay, fine. In that instance, you have to trade him because you can't, you know, you can't just lose him for nothing. The second is is if he opts in to his contract for 30 plus million, and then you get to the trade deadline and they find out that he's not going to sign an extension. You have to trade him at the deadline. It's just like with Anthony Davis. It's just like anybody that's on an expiring deal that you're not going to be able to retain. You have to flip him. Like Kyrie. The first, right, like Kyrie Irving exactly. should have been. <laughs> the, that worked the, out. Goal for Ainge, the goal for Ainge is obviously opt out, do not have an out Horford situation, and sign a more team-friendly deal. I think that is sort of the best scenario for everybody involved because, you know, you look at the teams with cap space, it's 
the Knicks, it's Atlanta. It's it's not teams that if I'm Gordon Hayward, a they may not even be interested, but b it's like you're going backwards if you're you know want to contend and be on you know these winning teams. And for the Celtics, you know they're over the cap anyways, so it's not like if Gordon Hayward leaves or they trade him, they have thirty million dollars to play with. So it's it's beneficial for them to retain someone of his skill set and of his production. Someone that I think last year we saw accept his role as that fourth option playmaker, you know, doesn't necessarily demand the ball and demand shots, you know, that might limit the growth of your younger players. Um, And before he broke his hand, he was one of the best players on the team. So I think, you know, my optimistic side says he'll opt out and resign for a team-friendly deal. My gut tells me he's just going to opt in for that $31 million and we'll have to just see how the season goes and how he looks. Because if he doesn't look great, maybe he's going to be more willing to sign an extension if Angel's interested. But if he looks great and he wants to hit the, you know, the offseason next summer where there's going to be a ton of teams that are saving up cap space for someone like Giannis who might strike out and have all this money to play, he becomes much more of a flight risk. You know, let's say Miami doesn't get Giannis. And, you know, he was on Gordon. They were in on Gordon Hayward mm-hmm. the last time around. You know, they're a real threat, I would I would think. So, Ainge, in that sense, would have to trade him at the deadline. So, my head says he's going to opt in for the $30 million. My heart says please opt out and sign for, like, 22 Yeah. I, I, I've been the advocate – not advocate. I've just been the person trying to at least have the audience consider – the trade of Gordon Hayward, right? Because that's one of the few ways Boston can really improve besides trading a contract like that, getting something back for it, right? Before you get him for, and I'm sure there are arguments for letting Hayward walk for nothing, which I'm, I'm sure there are arguments for. I'd love to hear it. Um, but at the end of the day, I sort of agree with Dan. Like, I, I think it makes sense for everybody, the most sense for Hayward to sign an extension this offseason versus the next one. Um, I, I I think with Hayward, we, we have this unfortunate group of data that's that just indicates that he's a little injury prone. But as Dan pointed out, like where is he going to go with these teams that have cap space? Like where is he going to go where he has a better option to maybe win a, a title? Because I think at this point for Gordon, I think Gordon understands that he's not going to be the best player on a title team anymore. I think Kemba Walker understands like he's not going to be – the best player on a title team anymore. Like you have those hopes when you're younger, when you're in your twenties, you know, in your prime in your late twenties and your third, like you have that, like, Oh yeah, I can still be, you know, Gordon, Utah. Could he be the centerpiece of a championship team? I don't know. Maybe, but now he gets to Boston and he has two wings alongside him, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, both very good. You know, could you say, all right, I'll be happy making $25 million a year as the fourth, the fourth piece of a really good contending team. I think a lot of people, you know, when you get to a certain spot, so yeah, I think I, I think that's reasonable enough for me to, to handle. Like, are you going to go to Atlanta? Are you going to go to New York? Are you going to go to Miami and have, you know, Miami's an interesting one just because you know they have all the shooters that you'd want, right? And and to really space the floor for a guy like Gordon between yeah between uh, Robinson and Hero and um, even with Bam and Jimmy on the floor, it makes life a little bit easier for you. But I think if you look at all the teams, maybe like a Dallas who might have a lot of cap space, um, trying to clear room for Giannis. Uh, there's going to be a couple other teams involved as well. But, like, at the end of the day, does, does it make sense for Gordon to leave Boston, a place where he's comfortable with, he knows the coach? The only one that makes me worry is Indiana because there's the attraction of going home. Um, and we all know that yeah. Indiana loves Indiana. So, 
But so, I, but for for that to happen, I don't know if they even have the unless you would take a discount to go to Indiana. Right. I don't know if they even have the flexibility to sign him outright. I think it depends on you know if they're going to move on from Oladipo and, and sort of what contracts if they take back expiring deals if it were to happen next offseason. I just I just look at how the Celtics are constructed, and if you're worried about Kemba Walker's knee. You know, they don't really have a backup point guard on the roster outside of Marcus Smart, you know, with Brad Wanamaker's, you know, pending free agency. I'm more inclined to say, like, this team needs him for his playmaking, his ball handling. You know, if Kemba's knee were to flare up or they have to be, you know, sort of cautious with him, you can run the offense through Gordon Hayward. So I just – I think fans are are frustrated because he landed on someone's foot and his finger got jammed in, you know – LaMarcus Aldridge's jersey and he broke his hand. But, you know, when I look at his NBA career, he's a guy who plays 78-plus games. I'm not going to, you know, get bent out of shape because the guy's pinky gets, you know, bent in a crazy direction. That's just a freak thing to me. And I look at what he gives them in terms of how they play and the spacing he provides. And, you know, obviously he came back a little too early on his ankle against Miami. He missed that bunny layup in game six. Like, he has some brutal, brutal moments, but I just think the ceiling of what he gives this team potential-wise when he's healthy is, you know, every Celtic fan should want that because if he's gone, every single person who didn't want Gordon Hayward on this team is going to be begging for the things that he gives them. You know, they're going to need, oh, where's the playmaking? Oh, where's the, you know, the the versatility on the wing? Well, you had it in Gordon Hayward, and you you let him go. So they need to bring him back. Simmons throughout this trade, I want to get both of your opinions on it because I've, I've kind of like just asked friends that are Celtics fans about this. The idea was Hayward, 14, and if he had to add a pick, you could with one of the other two first-rounders Celtics have, to trade up to seven with Detroit, because I think Detroit's seven, the Knicks are eight, up to seven for the seventh pick and Blake Griffin, who says no. Um, yeah. So Hayward in the 14th for Blake in the seventh. Yeah. I think Danny says no to that. I think, yeah, I was going to say, I think, I think yeah. Angel, because no, I think Blake has like three or four more years left on that deal, right? I think, no? I think it might be two, but you're talking about a guy with knee problems right. that are pretty yeah. like chronic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so he's someone, right? His, he's someone where I don't consider his injuries freak injuries, right? No. He's more of a, he's a guy that has, you know, who I would consider more injury prone. But I guess it would depend on who's there at seven, right? Like, is it Killian Hayes? Is it, you know, the center from USC? So Tom I think that might have, yeah, I think that might have to play into it. But I think, I think Ainge probably says no um, without knowing any of that info. Green, we're going to let you go on that, but uh, appreciate you hopping on. I'm sure it won't be the last time before the season does roll <laughs> around, whenever the hell that's actually going to be. But uh, appreciate you hopping on, giving us your insights, man. Awesome. Thank you guys. Anytime. Thanks, Dan. Right. Greenberg. Right. Of course, you know him from Barstool. Give him a follow on Twitter. Barstool Greeny is, uh, you know, you can find him and watch the videos and all the takes and read the articles and all that good stuff. Appreciate being joined by Dan. We, uh, we're going to also bring in uh, a, a familiar voice and face to uh, to these shows in recent weeks as well, since the pandemic's been going on. My buddy, Seth Landman. Seth, a former fantasy writer for ESPN, who uh, has been, you know, this this is different, actually. Is Seth, how are you? Good, how are you? Great. So he, uh, normally, he sits back in the shadows, and we bring him on when it's time, and, and then it's a, it's, you know, fresh start. 
Seth, for the first time, though, is has been able to, you know, real time listen to the show, probably taking copious notes on all. You the can tell just with the grin that he's yeah, been taking notes. He's just yeah. like, I have to wait 40 minutes yeah. for these clowns to get done with greedy. Oh, the crap eating grin is, is a staple <laughs> to his existence. Oh, yeah. But beside that fact, I, you know, kind of like how uh, what PTI has has reality is stat guy you know you can be our like what pissed you off along the way so before <laughs> we get off, like what 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 has angered you in the last 40 I'm, minutes i'm not angry i just i like i just want to say that i'd like wish that all of us would do a little more research about like what what it means to have gordon hayward on the team like we keep talking about these like uh what, what's the word like playing out the string of like what it would mean to sign him to these contracts, you could just do a little bit of math and figure out what it would mean. So let me just explain a couple things to you. Wait, okay? actually I, keep the momentum. I just okay. want to get our, I want to do our ad read and then we're going oh, go please, back please. to you here because I want to remind you folks that as you well know, it's a Sunday right now, maybe not while you're listening, but it is actually a Sunday football's back. Even if you're not at a game this year, some are depending on where in the country you are, you can still be in on the action at bet online NFL futures plus three seventy five for the defending Super Bowl champion chiefs, the Ravens plus six fifty, a little bit back still led by Lamar Jackson, the bucks and Tampa Bay, uh, you know, Tom Brady has been playing incredible. He's got Antonio Brown now, plus 650 to win a title. Oh, that would be crushing. Steelers, still perfect, right? Coming into the weekend anyway, plus 750. Packers, plus 900. The Patriots, it's getting worse by the day, plus 6,000. But better if you do believe. I just don't know how many believers nah. there are. That, that number was a little more appealing at plus 2,500, plus 3,500, because it actually, you know, you thought maybe they had a chance to do something, plus 6,000. You know, that's your indicator that, you know what, they may not be able to rally after all. Bet online, those going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online anywhere. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and uh, start off wagering to win uh, division championship futures, everything that you could possibly want to look at. And don't forget the elections coming up this week, a couple days from now, that's a whole other can of tomatoes. This is your final <laughs> chance to lay some coin on who the next president of the United States is going to be Biden minus one eighty, Trump plus one sixty. get in the octagon fellas. It'd be pretty. Head to Bet Online today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And in all truth, even if you don't lay money on who the next president is going to be, do us a favor. Do go out and vote. That is important. Regardless of which side you're going with, just you know, it is your right. Use it. Go vote. Have a role in uh, in in what direction this country is going to be in. But no soapbox needed. We don't have time for it anyway. Lamon, let's let's go back to your thoughts on why everyone else is dumb and not doing math. That's well okay. So I just I just want to go over a couple things. Like number one, Gordon Hayward, uh, if he opts in to his deal for this year, yeah. will be making thirty four point two million, right around there. Okay. The Celtics are at minimum with the roster they have in place, if that contract is on the books, they are gonna be uh like ten million dollars over the cap. They'll be at like hundred and forty two million and uh, sorry, over the luxury tax. And we think the luxury tax is going to be like 132. So the idea that the team is going to be 10 million over the tax, it, it's not going to happen. They're not going to do that. They're going to try to duck the tax. Um, I don't know if they'll get all the way under, but they're not going to stay 10 million over the tax 
unless they do something like, unless they're like really going all in in a big way. Um, so you could, so the idea that, uh, that Greeny was talking about, about like maybe he opts out and signs for 22. Like, I just have a tough time. How many years do you have to give him where that becomes worth it to him? He's going to make it like 34 million this year. He wouldn't have to do that well on his next contract to make it not worth it for him to opt out. So, and even if you knock that number down to 22, they're still like right around the tax and don't have a lot of room to do anything else to the roster at that point. So this is where I start getting into like, I like some of the idea, the trade ideas, like the one um, Evan was talking about, about like the Blake Griffin idea. Like I think once, if Hayward opts in, there become some interesting things you can do with that contract. Like I was making a list of like, you, you've heard that like Oladipo and like Miles mm-hmm. Turner rumor, mm-hmm. or like um, I was coming up with some like fake Rudy Gobert trades that I was really into. If the mm-hmm. Jazz think that, they don't want to re-sign him after next year. Anyway, there's like things you could do with that contract, right? But I think the idea that he opts out and re-signs at a lower number, I just, I don't see why why he would do that unless he really thinks like he's not going to be good anymore after this year. The other thing is, do you want to pay him 23, 24 million for each of the next years after this year when they're already going to be taxed anyway with that uh tatum max contract that's about to be on the books so like i kind of think the team is the team right now with jalen tatum smart and kemba yeah so like then the question becomes like how do you build out the roster around that and so that's why i think this idea that losing him for nothing i think that's like not what's what it actually is what you're what you would be losing him and not bringing in any assets but you would be, um, you would be about twenty million under the. Based on my math, I think you'd be about twenty million under the tax. So even though you're over the cap, you still have access to the full mid-level exception, which is going to be over nine million, and you still have access to your biannual exception, which is like three point six million. So like, for one, one scenario. Like, I'll just give you an imaginary one. You could tell me what you think of this. But, like, if he opts out and goes somewhere else, like, they're threatening, right? Like, that Zach Lowe rumor. Right. Um, Like, what about – what would you think about bringing in, like, Derek Favors at the full mid-level and maybe, like, somebody around, like – maybe, like, Alec Burks – or like Bryn Forbes from the Spurs or like some, like a, a, a guard who can give you some scoring. And then, and then you can um, c- compile some contracts and take in more money in a trade. So you could go after targets like Kelly Oubre or Jetty Osman or Tomas Sadoransky or like, I just think like, it's not losing him for nothing. It's losing him for the ability to bring in, like three players who aren't as good as him maybe, but fit the roster better and, and are like pieces that you can have moving into the future. So that's like long winded, but I, I, I get like annoyed when I think about this idea of losing him for nothing. It's not nothing. There's an opportunity to do things with the roster. So just to clarify here, this is an, this is an option if Hayward opts out and signs somewhere else this year is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. If he's okay, no so, longer in the book. Okay. Okay. So your 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 point being, it's not losing him for nothing. You're getting the tax benefit of both well, the under the tax, the luxury line benefits of the 
the full mid-level exception, which is and, and the a decent. Yeah. yeah. So. And, more, and more role players who can fill out your roster and give you some depth as opposed to another max contract guy, which clearly you wouldn't have the ability to do. Well, and there's actually two more pieces. There's the, the, the other piece is that if you make it, you, you can like put contracts together. Like you could put, if Cantor opts in, that's a contract you could use or the Poirier contract or the semi contract with the, the Ojale contract, which is like um, a team option. So it could have mm. some value to teams. Like you, you could start like cobbling together these contracts and bring back more money because you're not over the tax anymore. You don't have to like worry about like taking in less money in a trade. Mm. So it just, it gives you a lot more freedom, I think to, and, and then the final piece of it is that you could use the draft picks. Like right now they're in a position where there's no way they're using these draft picks because the draft picks are going to cost the amount of money that the salary is plus all the luxury tax on top of it. So like, they're going to be like either trying to trade these draft picks for future draft picks or drafting like draft and stash guys, but like it, they're sort of like, they don't have a lot of leverage because everyone knows they need to get rid of these picks. So that's what your thoughts. (laughs) Well, he, he point that I I don't think if I'm reading the tea leaves, right. I think, I think Danny and Brad really like Gordon. I mean, I think they acknowledge the fact that he is, not the same player as he used to be, but he's still a high-end role player. And if they have him healthy and they have him on a roster, they'd rather have that than maybe, you know, using two contracts to get to the, the full mid-level or having that full mid-level for somebody else. I think the argument you could make maybe is if you – because as you said, like you're kind of locked in with Kemba, Brown, Tatum, and Smart. Yeah. So the other option of the Blake Griffin trade that we talked about, that becomes attractive if you really like someone at seven and you're like that guy. And this is, I've, I've done some draft research. There are guys that can make an impact now. And then there are guys that it's going to take some seasoning. Like I look at Patrick Williams as an example, like Patrick Williams is an interesting guy at a Florida state. He's going to need some time, you know, to yeah. really, become the guy he needs to be. Now he could be the best player in this draft by the time we're done, or it could just be a solid role player. I don't really know, but he's going to need time. Whereas like if you take a guy and I guess, you know, a guy like Desmond Bain who could step on the floor right away and play um, there's value in that. But if there was a guy like, and I keep coming back to either like Killian Hayes or Okongwu of USC, yeah. right. And Okongwu is more of a guy that will help you now. And, but has that, and everybody loves saying that he has a bam at a bio ceiling. I'm like, okay, in a way, I guess they're different players, but I can see what you're getting at a smaller five that can stretch the floor, et cetera. Um, that might be really attractive because that guy allows you to keep your core group, but have a, a potential emerging player as Tatum and Brown hit their prime. Right. Mm-hmm. So a guy like a Kongu could play right now. I mean, he would play now. Um, he's, Similar to Robert Williams in a few things, um, but he gives you a big, a really springy big down low with a with tremendous length. Um, and he can help you right now, but also have the ability to get a lot better over time and be a really big part of your future with Tatum and Brown. So there's, there's that idea floating out there. If you're, if you're convinced like this is our roster, how do we find ways to upgrade this? That Blake Griffin trade becomes somewhat attractive because Griffin, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't have to start for you. 
but he could play meaningful minutes off the bench, maybe. The problem with the Griffin trade is that the Griffin trade itself adds money and that draft pick would add money. So, like, I don't think – it's a fair point because seven costs more than 14. And then the other thing is like, okay, I do want to say Gordon Hayward's good. I, I really like him as a player. I'm not saying like Derek Favors is a better basketball player than Gordon Hayward. What I'm saying is like, if part of the argument is him being good, then you need to try to keep him. And so the, all those options where you're like trading him at the deadline don't really make sense in that scenario. Like the whole point is that you're trying to keep him on the team beyond this right. season. I don't think they can pay him beyond this season. I don't think, I don't think that's how they want to allocate the resources they have on this roster for like another dude who plays that position and has that skill set. Like maybe a year ago, I would say that made sense. As we've seen Jalen and Jason become better passers, I just think what Hayward provides going into his thirties is pretty duplicative, and. I don't know. I like, I guess I want to see them use those resources in other ways. Like I, like I would just, I love the idea of them having like a reliable bench scorer or like um, another, like a big who, who gives you something different than Tice, but, but is good for like 24 minutes a game or something like um, someone with the bulk to deal with like and beat a little bit. maybe. Like an Aaron Baines. Well, okay. That. Okay, so like, so other <laughs> other names for you to consider if if we have money to like make some of this stuff happen, Tristan Thompson, Aaron Baines, like, uh, oh, I'm all you know about who, Baines. I'm all about uh, Baines. Like, there's been some like rumblings that maybe Ibaka's gonna go to a contender on the mid level. Like, wouldn't that be great? Like, um, and then there's like all these like smaller bigs who I would love to see, like, Brad Stevens get a chance to use, like, the uh, like Derek Jones Jr., who was on Miami as a free agent. Um, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson's a player I'm interested in. I like thinking about the possibility of somebody like Paul Millsap, like, who's clearly overpaid on his current contract but is now a free agent and, like, um, is, like, a really smart defensive player. Um, would they ever take a swing at, at like, trying to – Try Mo Bamba away from Orlando. Like it wouldn't cost much, according to everybody that you listen to. If I've yeah. I've heard that kicked around, and if you know, some people have even said if you offered the Magic a first round pick for him, like the one of the later ones, they'd say yeah, because they're just like, there's no way, yeah, you know, you could accommodate this guy, and like that would be something that I'd be interested in just to take a flyer on, just to just to see. I mean, we know Danny was at least intrigued by him. In the pre-draft process, you saw the the great. There's a great photo of like Ainge baseline at a Texas game, and yeah, like yeah, Bamba's yeah. like blocking a shot with his ridiculous reach. And you're like, Danny, Danny, get an up close and personal look at maybe his new shiny toy here. Yeah. Um, so I mean that that would be something that would would attract me. I mean, there's been is Harry Giles from Harry Sacramento. Giles. Harry Giles is on he's, my list too. He's a free agent this year, and there's the yeah. obvious Tatum connection. They love each other, so I mean that's an idea too. I mean. I, I would. I don't envy Danny Ainge this year because this might be the hardest job he's had in quite a bit between managing the salary cap, the luxury tax, and the roster itself. Yeah. He's had a lot of balls up in the air, and he, and he has look. He's got Mike Zarin, and I and I'm a big Mike Zarin fan, so that's going to help having Mike around because Mike's mm-hmm. great with numbers. So 
Um, you know, whatever they, these guys decide to do, I think they'll tr- they'll try and maintain as much flexibility as they can. That's usually kind of how Danny goes. Unless you're totally convinced that you, this roster is the roster that's going to get you to the you know the threshold, right. and I'm not totally convinced they are. I mean, their the landscape's going to change the next year or two, depending where, what happens with Giannis. If Giannis stays in Milwaukee, then that team is going to get better by trying to make sure that Giannis has the tools he needs to succeed. If he goes somewhere else, like a Miami or Dallas, well, then you got a whole new problem that you got to worry about. Um, so, like this, the the league's going to change. And, you know, Danny's going to have to find ways to change with it. And, you know, that my one argument for, for age or the one thing that I'll, I know he's going to do is trying to maintain as much flexibility as he possibly can. Other than that, I have no idea. Well, Celtics fans, welcome to the spit in the wind portion of the off season when we all just try and guess and figure out what's going to happen next. But that's sort of the fun part. People love hot stove and off season and, Rumors and rumblings and all that good stuff. Problem. Can I just say one more thing? Well, Please. One more thing. One more thing. I, I just want to say. Me up, so go I, ahead. I really just want to say that the Hayward thing is just more complicated than either. Like there, there seem to be these like pro Hayward people who are like Hayward's good. We have to keep him. Mm-hmm. And then these people who are like Hayward sucks, and I want him out of here. Yeah. I want The correct place to be on this is Hayward is good. And we need to see what, like, maybe there's, like, better things to do with those resources. Both of those things are true. That's what I want to try to tell you. That, does, that doesn't work in today's society. Nope. <laughs> that's, that's Kendrick, not, per- that's Kendrick Perkins option. laughs at your take, by the way. Kirk would laugh yeah, at you. It's yeah, the worst on. take. It's the worst take. I know. I know. Carry on. That's what Perk could tell you. Today's show is brought to you uh, by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today for your free sign-up bonus. We greatly appreciate uh, Greeny being on earlier, Lambin obviously hopping back on now that he's, you know, taking a break from his Zoom dating or whatever it is that he's doing. We appreciate you hanging out with us and spitting some Celtics talk. And Jesus, shots fired here. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and, uh, and Evan coming dressed up. Everybody brought uh, brought what they needed to, and I'm just here to moderate. So we will do it again coming up uh, sometime during the week or next weekend. Either way, we're glad you're here, and hopefully by that point in time we'll know something, at the very least, maybe when the season is going to begin. Because, again, that fourth CBA discussion deadline, as mentioned earlier, that Woj was putting out there, that is rapidly approaching. So, Seth, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Evan, always a pleasure, buddy. Always, buddy. All of you out there for listening, we thank you. Leave a a rating, a review on iTunes. It's always appreciated, or at the very least, you know, just keep on listening and subscribe. Make fun of of us in the comments. Yeah. That's that's a good way to get our attention. Lord knows the people do it on uh, on the YouTube videos that yep. puts out there. So yeah, bring keep, it. Keep doing that. Hey, oh, all we care about is the clicks, man. Just just keep make on, me cry. Keep on watching. Go for it. Yeah, I've been making fun of Kaufman for over thirty years. Yeah, definitely. At least. Go ahead. Give me another reason to cry myself to sleep at night. We'll talk to you guys <laughs> later. Thanks. <laughs>